Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Jackie Mitchell. This is where we pick the best brains in the business world and you, the listener, feel like you are eavesdropping on a really interesting coffee conversation to give you and your business the inside edge. We take a look into the business mindsets of leaders and brands and probe into how they think, feel, learn, manage teams and themselves. We love sharing the knowledge and serve brain food to keep your business mind healthy. To continue the conversation, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So while our first guest settles in, orders their coffee, grab yourself one and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Our next guest is... He loves developing people through a growth mindset and possibility. He's a thinking, speaking author and coach. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I want to find out more about how to unleash the high performance hero within you. I'd like to welcome to the show, Rob Hartnett. Hi, Jackie. How are you? Hi, Rob. I'm really good. Thank you. Your new book, and congratulations, It's All Possible. Uh, I like the, the, the positive vibe from it, how to lead an epic life and unleash the high performance hero within you. What got you interested in the field of positive thinking and why the focus on that? I've been um, studying high performance, um, high performance in business, high performance in uh, sport, just high performance in general, really, um, all my life. I've always uh, benchmarked myself against the world and seen Australia as a country, not the, but also wanted to go outside of that and see what's, um, what's out there and, ha- and how could you be the best in the world. And I've done that through most things in my life and I've also associated with people like that as well. So that was kind of the, why I've always just studied high performance and best practice, if you will. Right, um, okay. inside the country and outside the country. So, where did you start your career? Because you've had quite an quite an interesting journey. Where did it all start? Well, one, it's not over, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in fact, I think it's about halfway through. Yeah. I started at KPMG, so I'm an accountant by profession. So I yeah. uh, went through that uh, the accounting bachelor of business side of things and uh, started my, my my career at KPMG, and then moved on to um, to uh, Rio Tinto um, straight after that for a little bit. Yeah, I noticed uh, in uh, 1994 you were working for Apple. Yes. And yes. Uh, I was thinking, gee, that would have been a really interesting time to be in that field. For sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Did, Definitely. Did, did people get it then? Or, I mean, how hard was it to sell? Oh, no. I mean, it was really interesting, actually, because I actually got recruited into Apple from being a client. So I was, a, I was what you call a challenger client. So I yeah. would challenge the norm and just I came across Apple at KPMG. Uh, one of um, Steve, Steve Jobs' first big sales was, in, uh, was actually in 1984 um, to, to KPMG Worldwide where he built a bespoke program for auditing. And so I came across the Mac uh, in very early days back in, in those days. So I came across it then and then I just loved the product. And as I moved through my corporate career, in the early days, I just took the Macs with me, and so that, that meant challenging quite a lot of the IT folks and the PC-driven IT folks back in those days until someone from Apple, um, one of the dealerships, said to me, actually, you know what, you're doing this so well. Do you want to kind of do it full-time? And so I, I basically I was treasury and taxation accountant at Kraft Foods at the time, and I, I said, yeah, let's do it. And my parents were horrified, and the leaders at Kraft were horrified, and everyone <laughs> was throwing my, life, throwing my life away. But the bottom line was... I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. Uh, I knew I could always go back to it, um, but you've got to pursue things when they come up or you regret them later on. And so I went into it and, uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history because I went from there uh, into Apple and Apple then worked for Apple itself. Um, 
And then I uh, worked my way to AGP from there and into the, the heady days of IT, yeah, which is just fascinating. Yeah, absolutely fascinating because I, I think, well, in my own view, a key to success for any business leader is to zig and zag. And you certainly did that because uh, you've, you've worked for agencies, um, you've worked mm. in media, you've done advisory work, um, lots of different areas. What influenced you along the way? So as you were zigging and zagging and you sort of gather bits of information or inspiration along the way. Was there any, anything particular that stood out for you? Um, I've always been focused around business development, be that sales, marketing, business growth side of things. So that's always been the way um, I've operated for, for a long, long time. Mm. And so it's always been around that, but there have been numbers of career changes along the way to sort of go into those different paths. But it's just really as I've met people and you evolve. And I think one of the challenges people have today, and it does worry me quite a bit actually about people are trying to find their purpose and obsessed on their purpose. Well, you know, you may have so many purposes through yeah. your life. And one of the things is don't obsess on the purpose. Just get on with what's comfortable right now. Whatever you feel you need to do right now, go do that. And what will happen is you'll evolve to the next level and you'll find something else. You'll evolve to the next level and you'll find something else. And so that's we, we become, we give meaning to our lives through our lives, not just we find meaning one morning. So I think that's the important part is I've always just, you know, if I look at world's best practice when I went to the agency world, it was like, actually, how can I go to the my, – my, my actual comment was, how do I go to the HP um, of agency land? So how do I get into a, to a Mojo, which is where I went, mm. uh, or a JWT, one of the large agencies? We can't just turn up on their door. So you have to do the hard yards and the work beforehand, which I did in smaller agencies until I earned the right to knock on their door. And then you take it to the next level. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. Uh, now, in your research about mindset, now mindset's an area that I've, I've got a keen interest in. Mm. I'm always interested in the difference between a business mindset versus a personal mindset. What's your view on on how the two marry or merge or sit separately? I actually think they work together. I think that this day and age, um, there is no such thing in my world as work-life balance, as work-life integration. Um, if you're doing work-life integration, you kind of love what you do or you enjoy the work. I mean, not not even the most exciting jobs in the world are still have their tough times. You know, it's what being a leader is. Um, so I, I don't see much difference. I think you, you, if you, I've never seen anybody whose personal life or personal mindset is in disarray actually leading a business and having a great business mindset for a medium to long term. Mm. They might get away with the short term, but not much after that. Yeah, and I think that's a key message and I agree with you totally on that work-life balance splitting. It's, it's got to be blended. I think that's that's a real uh, change or a real sort of milestone in how business has changed. It is about blending, you know, working from home and being a bit more flexible right. when you do work. But how your mindset is at home or personally, of course it's going to affect you. And, you know, you most of us are not schizophrenic, so it's going to be blended. And I think yeah. that, you know, if we can actually look at uh, improving that mindset at home, it's going to help you in business. Oh, no, 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 no question about it. Uh, and I think there's some really interesting correlations around the mental health side here, mm. um, the bullying in kids' schools. I mean, where does that come from? <laughs> you know, they're only doing what they observe. So, you know, there's some really interesting stuff about why we just need to be more kind to each other and more, and that's even to ourselves, firstly. Um, and because we, we do blend it in between work and life. And the client said to me the other day, you know, he's got a wedding coming up, and he said, you know, I've just had to make a few calls during the day because, well, guess what? The wedding providers do not work after 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. So you've got to 
be cognizant of, of people's lifestyles and their goals and their big occasions that are happening in their lives, whether they be uh, exciting things like births or marriages or even deaths, and realise there are huge things that affect us personally, but and so therefore they will affect our business life. Of course, and then there's the law of reciprocation. You do that, and then hopefully then they'll go, you know what, they were really great for me, I'm going to do this extra bit for them. And, and this is where that growth, that sort of momentum continues, that collaboration. And they Correct. do get some some great some great, great outcomes from that. Now, Rob, I did notice also and I, that you uh, were involved in in an elite sport, and I've always I'm always super curious, and I see a correlation. And it's quite a regular correlation with business leaders have come from a sporting background, and clearly they most of the time did quite well in it. And I always think there's a disconnect between what elite sport can teach us and what business leaders have. You know, there's a reason Roger Federer still has a coach, greatest of all time, he has more than one coach. There's still practices. Mm -hmm. And yet business leaders, there's so many out there that don't have a coach or don't have a mentor or don't uh, do enough professional development or don't practice bits and pieces. So what did elite sport uh, teach you about business? Well, it's a thing we call the law of the scoreboard. Um, the reason that most business leaders, or not most, but quite a number of business leaders and very senior leaders at that, um, don't have coaches and don't have mentors and don't read it and, you know, invest in themselves and don't need a growth mindset is because no one's actually got a scoreboard on them. No one's actually checking. Oh. And so you, you've seen this just more recently. I mean, the Westpac example is an absolute classic of no scoreboard. I mean, it's unbelievable that some stuff like that goes on for so long because there was no scoreboard. Um, what I do find with elite sports people, I would suggest more get frustrated with corporate life and leave than those who actually stay on and make a success of it. And the reason they leave is because they've come from an elite area of discipline, leadership, and accountability. And if you think about those three things, they are sadly missing from most of uh, corporate and government organisations today. So a lot of people when they come out of elite sports, step into these organisations, they want to work for our large companies, and it's fantastic. But they get there and they're so frustrated because there just isn't the checks and balances, there isn't the scoreboard, there isn't the accountability, and they quite often leave or start their own and become really successful or they rise to the top um, through an organisation and make, make those kind of changes um, that, that it needs. So it's a really interesting blend of the people that are in it. But essentially that's what it is. It's just when you're racing, you know, when you cross the line, you're either one or you're a fifth or fourth or second last, and it is what it is, and you make changes to uh, with, a, with a kind of a mantra of sometimes I win, sometimes I learn. Yeah, now the elite sport, I should let everyone know, was sailing. Is that right? Uh, well, mine's sailing, but I've also been involved with cycling um, and a number of my friends, a number of the testimonials you see on the book are from people from Olympic, uh, you know, Olympic skiers in terms of Alyssa Camplin uh, to Tom Burton, the gold medalist in sailing. There's Maddie Lloyd, who is a two-times Olympian with, uh, with cycling. So it doesn't matter the sport, really, but that's the, my, my background's been in elite sailing, and then more recently um, I've switched to cycling in the last four or five years. I was going to say, you could use so many sailing metaphors. Do you do that? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, there is a lot. There is a lot out there. There's a lot of mistaken as well. Um, but, yeah, sometimes I do. But I use them. I use, if I'm speaking, it really depends on, on who the audience is. Yeah. It, it connects. Now, I noticed that you mentioned the testimonials, and I did notice those, particularly uh, Elisa Camplin, who I've heard speak a number of times. She's fantastic. Uh, and also I noticed in there, and I, I, I don't, are they testimonials or quotes from Stevie Nicks, Russell Crowe and Robert Downey Jr.? 
Yeah, so they'd be quotes on those three, but the ones before hand are all testimonies. Yeah, I just thought I'd double check because it was like super impressive if it was. Now, why did you pick those three? Uh, well, Stevie's was a really interesting one that I came across in a book by Oprah. Um, and I was just reading Oprah's quotes on, on life and Stevie Nicks one popped up and she literally used the it's all possible in the line. And after I had the book, um, ah. you know, kind of named the book and had yeah. all the ISBN numbers, and I thought, oh, my God, I have to use this because yeah. it's so cool. And it is so cool because people like Stevie are really interesting um, because she has had such a phenomenal career. But she's one like, like Bruce Springsteen, um, like the Rolling Stones, that absolutely have a growth mindset. And one of the more recent duets that Stevie did was with Lana Del Rey. Mm. So she's always going, what is someone else doing? I'm not sitting up here on my high horse or Stevie's white horse. I'm actually going out and going, what are the young people doing? What's out there that I don't know? And and Bruce Springsteen's the same. You know, he said, said to a number of artists, go, go play my songs any way you would. And someone put them in the rock operas. Someone made them faster, slower. And he's like, I'm blown away by what people did with my writing. He wasn't jealous of it. He was excited by it. And that's what you see when you see people. And that's why I picked Stevie for a start. The Russell Crowe one was a fantastic one for when he won the Academy Award. Mm. And I've always had that quote, you know, for 12 years or so, um, stocked up for you somewhere. And it just, it just was just beautiful for this book because it is so true that, um, you know, the quote essentially is when you're in the suburbs of, of Auckland or Sydney or Melbourne, you know, you can dream and you must dream. And, 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 but it's taking it to action. And the thing I love about Russell Crowe, for all sorts of reasons, I'm not going to go into you know, dialogue or haters or anything, but one thing I do know about Russell is he had um, big dreams and he actually put them in the action. He was very, very disciplined about turning up on time, ringing directors, ringing producers, trying to you know, just hustling to get his craft um, seen by the world. And, and you, you have to admire him for that. And then Robert Downey Jr., I mean, my God, what a career. Oh, I mean, yeah. having a wonderful career as a child actor, having it completely fall apart and end up in jail, uh, to resurrect it and become one of the great, you know, all-time stars of today, and especially with um, you know Jen, Jen Wise and Jen's dad, just love him for his role that he, that he played in Iron Man. So it's an outstanding comeback. Yeah, oh, they're they're really great examples, and I love that. I think people can relate to those. Uh, much more easily and so it makes it really exciting and the other one I like is KFC but you know what Rob I'm just going to put it out there I'm not going to ask you any question if anyone wants to know about your favorite strategy to ask to uh, assess results it's called KFC nothing to do with Colonel Sanders but I recommend the book it's all possible uh, how to lead an epic life and unleash the high performance hero within you by Rob Hartnett and published by our good friends at Major Street Publishing. Uh, Leslie and the team down there do a fantastic job. So, Rob, congratulations. If people want to c- uh, continue the conversation with you, I'm assuming they can find you on LinkedIn. Where else do you hang out on social media? Oh, I'm kind of everywhere. So um, Instagram um, and Twitter is at Rob Hartnett. And, uh, yeah, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm there, and, and Facebook as the uh, the possibility guy. Excellent. So, yeah, not hard to find. Right, that's wonderful. That's all that. that. You know what? That's sort of part of the part of the gig, which a lot of people don't get. So that's really good that you're hard to find. Yeah, it's easy to find, not hard to find. <laughs> and your name is easy to, to spell as well. That helps. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Really enjoyed the conversation. No worries, Jackie. Cheers. Bye-bye. Welcome back. Our next guest is a best-selling author, speaker and award-winning entrepreneur dedicated to helping women rise. She's a sought-after media commentator and uh, author, as I said, of two best-selling books, Getting Real About Having It All and Lead Like a Woman. I have great delight in welcoming Megan Della Camina. Hi, Megan. Hey, 
Jackie. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for asking. Now, your new book, Simple, Soulful, Sacred, and I've noticed now, I'm obviously chatting with you on a business show, that your book is getting quite a bit of traction in the business sector. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's been really interesting. Mm. Um, Look, I mean, the the book is very broad uh, and it's really looking at how we're redefining womanhood and success and how we show up. And I think a lot of that work is translating, a lot of those themes and messages are translating into how we do business, how we show up as leaders, how we show up as business owners. So, yeah, like it's getting a lot of interest and discussion, which I'm, I'm so happy with. Yeah, now you, your, your area, you focus a lot on women in leadership. Uh, but I did notice at the beginning of the book, which I, I really liked, it said everyone is welcome here. While the terminology used throughout the book is biological slash gender based, women, w- woman, she, her, they, please know that everyone is welcome here. Uh, and I thought that that was really great because even if you're not a woman reading this, there is so much in there that still resonates. But a lot of men are working with women so uh it sort of makes sense to to cross that that divide i suppose yeah look i wanted it to be really inclusive so i know that you know the core of my work is for is for women um but i see a lot of men and all genders in you know in my work in my leadership programs in my business coaching and yeah like i just everyone gets to be part of this conversation and redefine you know, what their life looks like, what their success looks like and how they show up. Yeah. Now, do you think being busy is the new stupid? (laughs) Oh, I love that. I haven't heard that before. Um, Look, yeah, look, we need to really move away from this culture of the glorification of busy, you know, wearing busy as as your badge of honour and worthiness. And I wouldn't necessarily call it stupid I think it's how we've been programmed but it's time that we find other definitions for success that we find other terms to describe how we are you know the first thing everyone always says when you know when you ask how are you they say I'm busy surely there's a better and more thoughtful and intentional um, response for how we're living our lives yeah I think awareness is a big key of it and I noticed uh with your book it says here it was written with the time poor reader in mind is and that's what that's what got me thinking about you know busy and I uh one of my mantras I have mantras every year and one of them uh this year for 2019 was when someone asked if I'm busy because I always look much busier than I actually am and uh and everyone oh you look so busy you look so busy and I thought no you know what? I'm going to tell people I'm not busy and yep. so I've been doing that all year and the reaction has been priceless it's been highly entertaining as well as opening up the conversation you know because yeah. people get such a shock of the reaction and I think I think that's something to be a bit more conscious of uh, I completely agree with you and I do the same thing because people always say to me oh my god you're so busy you run all these businesses and you write all these books and and I always say to them, similar to you, I say, actually, I'm as busy as I want to be and I have a lot of space and I have great boundaries. Mm. So I'm actually not as busy as you think I am, very intentionally. And it does really make people pause and think about 
you know, their observations, their projections and their own level of busyness. So, yeah, I think it's great that you do that. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, for the, for the, small, for the, for the small amount that it affects, it's, I suppose it's better than nothing. Now, I was really curious in your book as I was enjoying reading it and there's a couple of things that stood out to me. One of them was when you were doing your PhD and you were meeting with your a supervisor and the supervisor asked you a, an interesting question. It was quite a defining moment. Can you quickly just share that story? Yeah, so I started my PhD after doing two master's degrees and I just thought it was the next logical step. Um, and I kept going back and forth on my dissertation with my professor who was in the US, and I was sitting down with her one day going over, like, my fourth iteration of my dissertation, and she said, look, this is really good. It's a good dissertation. You'll do good research. But she just looked me square in the eye, and she said, why are you doing this? And I was really taken aback because, you know, she said, you're a successful author, you're here in the US doing speaking engagements, like, you don't actually need a PhD, why are you doing it? She said, what I actually think you want to do is write more books, so why don't you just go and do that? And it was a really defining moment um, of having that sort of intentionality that I try and run my whole life by, and it was like one of the last pieces. So, yeah, I walked away from my PhD pretty much that day, and it was such a good decision. Yeah, it was interesting. The insight that you did was about that you realised you were doing the PhD to be validated, and that resonated with me, that word validation. It's a Mm. word not used often enough, but I think it's so powerful. Yeah, look, it really is, and we spend so much of our time all of us, but particularly as women, I think, um, going through those motions of what we think success looks like so that we can fit in and so that we can be, in inverted commas, successful. But often that version of success isn't ours. It's not ours. It's society's or it's our families. And we do do things to get that external validation rather than doing things that intrinsically align with us and feel like they are on purpose. Yeah, it's it's deep thought, and I love we I love deep thought. I don't think there's enough of that because we're moving <laughs> so quickly and so fast now that yeah. anything that has a bit of depth in thinking to it is always so attractive. Uh, and the other thing too, Megan, I, and in prep for today and uh, and researching you, the other thing I found interesting was I thought, how do you introduce yourself at a barbecue? <laughs> It's a very good question. It's a very good question. I usually say um, I'm a writer, I'm a coach, and I'm an entrepreneur. Like that, you know, usually is enough to get some conversation going. Yeah, I suppose it also depends on who's asking. But I did notice because you describe yourself sometimes as a business strategist, um, but I also noticed that you also had aspirations to be an actress. Yeah, like the first 20 years of my life. I grew up as an actress, a dancer, a singer, um, a tortured teenage songwriter, you know, until I was in my early 20s, you know, I even went to performing arts college after high school. So that was, I thought that that was my path, but it was never a thought that I was going to do anything else and it just didn't turn out that way. And I imagine a number of those skills you learn have been handy in, uh, in what you're doing now. Yeah, well, like the communication and the creativity are right at the heart of everything that I do. So it served me 
I always say to my parents, you know, all of the money that you spent on drama <laughs> school and elocution lessons that was a thing in the 80s yeah. didn't go to waste because I do use all of it, yeah. Yeah, now in your book, Simple, Soulful, Sacred, A Woman's Guide to Clarity, Comfort and Coming Home to Herself, uh, another area of interest of mine is the concept of trust. Uh, and you talk about everything depends on how much you trust. And I just wanted to have a quick chat with you on some key elements to the importance of trust. And it's like it's the, it's the I suppose, the, the big r- reward, but it's also uh, the, the golden chalice that everyone's constantly searching for. And it's overused at, time, at times as well. It's such a fascinating concept. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I I believe that one of the keys for all of us to be whatever whatever it is that you're searching for, you know, happy, well, thriving, is to number one, learn to trust yourself. We spend so much of our time scurrying around and chasing things um, for that validation that we spoke about earlier, or for success. Um, or for these external goals, and we don't listen enough to our own inner guidance. We don't get quiet enough to hear it, and then once we do hear it, we often don't trust that we know what is best for us. And you only have to think about how many times you ask other people's opinions about what you should do next, mm. which every, you know every, nearly everybody does, to see how little trust we have of ourselves, of our own judgment, of our own opinions of our own guidance. So for me, trust really starts there. And then, you know, we get to trust life. We get to trust the process. We get to trust the journey that we're on um, and stop racing through to get to an outcome. So, yeah, that self-trust is absolutely number one yes. in my book. And again, it's linked to validation again, which is really fascinating. Uh, dealing with women, it's been, uh, particularly women in business, and I have a, quite a bit to do in that space, suffer it or admit to suffering a bit syndrome, and women tend to suffer or admit to suffering a bit more than, than men do. Have you had any experience in that field? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, through decades of research that I've done in the, in the women's space, in the gender space, and in all my coaching and, and women's work, uh, imposter syndrome really sits at the heart of so many challenges. And it's really the inability to internalise our achievements. Mm. And we see that so often, and you may have experienced it, I've experienced it, where you have a big success and then three seconds later you're on to the next thing. And then you're on to the next thing and you're on to the next thing. And we don't stop and pause to say, hey, I just did that amazing thing. How do I um, acknowledge that, savour the success of that, and then embody what that means for me? Mm. Because when we can do that, we don't fall into this category of feeling like an imposter um, because we haven't gone through that process. So, yeah, like this is huge. I was just coaching a group of women before this interview um, on exactly that thing. So, yeah, it's everywhere. It is everywhere and I think we need to talk a bit more about it. Megan, just to finish off, is there a particular philosophy or a pearl of wisdom that you'd like to share with a up-and-coming entrepreneur listening now? Um, up-and-coming entrepreneurs, I would say get really clear on what you are trying to build 
why you are building it and who you are here to serve. If you can get really clear on those three questions um, and those answers for yourself and stay in alignment with that, then you're going to be really successful and you'll be able to have the grit to keep going in your business when it gets tough because it always does. It does. Grit and gumption. I like the two G words. Excellent. Uh, Megan Dallas, Kamina, thank you so much for your time today, sharing your insights. Your new book, Simple, Soulful, Sacred, is a great read. And anyone interested to find a bit more about you and your ideas, they can find you on your website, megandellacamina.com, your Facebook page, you're on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you're everywhere. Thank you so much, Jackie. Such a great conversation. Yeah, really enjoyed it. To continue the conversation, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Our next guest specialises in mental health in the workplace. I love that. She is the CEO of Pure Insights, which is an international counselling service. She's also a very popular keynote speaker. She creates positive company culture, empowering leaders, increasing employee satisfaction and retention and has the lovely tagline about working happy work happy i like it welcome to the show anastasia masuris thank you very much jackie lovely to be here good to have you here work happy tell me about that i love it yes jackie well as you would appreciate we are we all have one life and we spend so many hours at work um, the stat say it's about 100,000 waking hours of our life on average, and I would dare say it's more than that in today's day and age with technology. So we want to ensure that we um, have that space to be connected and something we really enjoy mm. um, and that we take positive things out from. So then when we are heading home to other parts of our world, we're getting the most out of those as well. Right. Now, you've um, published some work recently. Was it something about some small business insights? Is that right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, it was. So it was about looking at uh, how mental health and wellbeing affects business owners and employees of businesses um, across the success of the business Mm. um, and how if we can look after our health and wellbeing, it does actually uh, drive the bottom line and um, future-proof the business as well. So we did quite a... Well, I did quite a bit of research around um, what's been working across the industry in different industries across Australia and what are some trends around small business business owners um, and owners that are also operating teams as well. And were there any sort of common threads that went across all those sort of three different areas, small business, small teams, entrepreneurs? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there was definitely a trend in, in small business operators and their journey of when they're commencing um, business, which usually comes off the back of um, a, a plan or a great idea that um, starts working and is operating quite successfully. And then there's that um, evolution of the journey where it grows. And a lot of the time, we kind of just go with the flow of um, the evolution of the business. But what can happen a lot of the time is we're not consciously aware of um, when that growth comes, how the impact of what's working really well at one stage will shift at different layers when there's, you know, increase around expenses. Um, so we saw a big trend around uh, fiscal responsibility mm. and cash flow management was one of the big stresses 
overworking hours in the businesses around 80 hours a week um, on average and sometimes more for a lot of business owners and then that evolution of how do you then manage people within your team um, and there are also humans coming in so how do we support them to set them up for success in their roles in in business but also um, making sure that all of the areas that they're presenting with are well managed Mm. and the overflow of impact. So one of the big trends that we did see out of the research as well was um, the flow over effect and impact into health and wellbeing uh, for the owner but then also into their personal and direct relationships. So um, their marriages, uh, personal relationships, parenting had an impact. Um, so you're looking at a, at a whole picture. It's not just a business owner operating a business. Um, and that was the, the core things that we did pick up through the training, the yeah. research, and then looking at elements of how to support that. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's really fascinating stuff. Um, the International Counselling Service, that's, which you um, run through Pure Insights International, <laughs> Is that? Yes. Do you do much work with small business? You know, are they have they got the resources to then engage a company like that, or the or the mindset to then think I need some help here, or is it more larger multinationals through their HR department? Brilliant question, Jackie. So what we're finding as an organisation is that we are getting more organic um, requests for support from small business now. And there is, you know, slowly there's more awareness coming through, which is that this is also what really drove my passion about wanting to do a bit more research in this space to identify need and support for small business owners. So Mm -hmm. absolutely the big multinationals are aware and a lot of the time it's because they've got all the departments and structures and HR and resources to support that. Um, Whereas with the small business, there's not a lot of um, education and awareness there. It is starting to grow, but in that we're also seeing, like I mentioned, organic requests coming through. But a lot of the times, Jackie, where we're receiving those requests, it's not so much for the business owners identifying um, their need of support. I've got some challenges with my people and my team and they need support. Um, so through that, we're getting connections to business owners and from there, we're building a connect and raising awareness with them because as soon as we ask, how are you um, coping? How are you feeling? What's going on for you? That's where it's like, oh, I've never thought about it. Oh, no one's actually asked me that. And these are all the areas where I'm challenged with. Um, so that's the evolution that we're seeing across the business um, internationally as well. Yeah, it's fascinating. So I'm glad to see that you mentioned about blending work life and home life. This work life balance has been distracting from the reality, I think. What are your thoughts? I totally agree. And that's another brilliant point um, that you've raised, Jackie. Um, I've seen across the industry for the last 17 years this. Um, need for work-life balance or reach, trying to reach that. I'm a mum of three as well and a business owner also. And so, you know, on a realistic level, trying to um, set goals, to, you know, I'll get to that to that level of balance at some point is really hard. Mm. And so when you sit back and go, well, actually, is it more around life, work-life integration and what does that look like? What's the reality of our worlds altogether? We're not, you know one person walking into work and one person walking home. It's the whole of us. So it's working out what is realistic in our world, building the awareness around that and working out what are the real practical strategies for me as a person 
like what's going on for me that are really going to make a difference and that will work for my life, my business, and my my personal life, my social life. Yeah, and I think, um, all together. Yeah. So I do look at integration more mm. so than balance. But that's from my own personal experience and and professional experience in industry for the last seventeen years. Well, that's my experience too, but it's also every time I ask that question, which is quite often because it's an area that I, I it sort of annoys me, work-life balance, so I try to sort of throw it in there whenever I can. I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> and, yes. and when I ask the experts, they all agree with the same thing. So uh, I, think it's, I think there's enough evidence out there, enough research to say it doesn't work, it needs to be blended, it needs to be integrated. And, and I, loved, I loved your point um, if you visit Anastasia's LinkedIn profile, which I did in my, you know, um, research stalking in prep for today's discussion, <laughs> our conversation, is I really liked your point about finding a happy and reset place. Uh, and you love salsa, you love dancing, and that's I your has a fabulous photo of you on there about that. But I just <laughs> like the message about that. What is your happy place? What is your reset place? And don't feel guilty about it. I mean, this is all, you know, it's about if you can find that play. And you know, I've talked a lot, those that listen regularly, about play theory and how not only is it great for imagination uh, and innovation, but it's also about that, res- you know, hitting the reset button and, and just giving your, your, your mind some space to, to enjoy life because if you do that, then it'll then feed, you know, flow into other areas of your life, which is your business and particularly those business owners. It's a huge part of your life, as you said earlier. And I just think that was really nice that you focused on that. Yeah, it absolutely is. And again, coming from personal experience as well as professional experience, um, that is absolutely my, my go-to place. It's mm-hmm. my happy place. Um, but it also is an opportunity to offload a lot of what we're carrying yeah. and make room for more, but more good stuff. So I always think about, you know, driving a high-performance vehicle and if we just keep driving it without, you know, stopping, maintaining, but then also making a conscious decision of the quality of oils and fuel that we're putting in it, it's really going to affect the way it, it performs and operates. And we're no different as human beings. If we don't stop and create space, um, and look at maintaining us as well and, and refueling ourselves with the good stuff, not just anything but good stuff, then we've got a lot more good stuff to come out. And, and that's, you know, higher level of performance and engagement in our business with our teams. And also equally as importantly and no, more so importantly with our, our relationships and our, our if we're parents or you know, we're all connected to family and community, so we want to make sure that we've got the best of the best that we're bringing into life and, and into our relationships and engagements as well. Uh, so that's why I do love raising awareness around that those key points and, and thank you for acknowledging um, that post. And it is, for me, raising awareness. And if you can reach one person to just think, Where, where's my happy place and how do I create that space for myself, then it's... it's a good job well done. <laughs> yeah, well, it is a good job well done and it is the good stuff. We like sharing the good stuff on this show and really appreciate you sharing all your good stuff with us, Anastasia. I uh, wish you continued success. Keep up the good fight and the good work. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed our conversation. Anyone who wants to continue the conversation with you, obviously they can find you on LinkedIn. Where else do you hang out? Uh, yes, yeah, so we've got um, our work 
Cafe uh, website, which is workhappy.com.au, um, or my direct um, link, which is anastasiamasuris.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so LinkedIn, everyone's on Facebook, and uh, those two web, web pages are a really good start. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Stay happy, work happy. (laughs) You've made me feel happy all the time. (laughs) It's been a happy discussion. Uh, Thanks again. Really appreciate your your precious time and for making us all feel very happy at work, Anastasia. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jackie. It was an absolute pleasure. It was good fun. Okay, we'll be right back after this.